In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We don't usually read this gospel on Sundays. Many of us probably have heard this gospel in Scripture or in different places in our own prayer. But I find it so interesting that we don't actually read this gospel on Sundays. But this year, out of nowhere, the patriarch decided to just change the calendar. And it happened to be in our readings this week. And I don't think that's for no reason. I think God has a plan, especially today, especially this year, for the patriarch to include this reading in our readings this Sunday. And I want to explain why I think that is. We heard from John chapter 2. Okay, This is the gospel, the first miracle of Jesus, where he turns water into wine. They're at this wedding party and they run out of wine. I always laugh when I think about this gospel because I think of Chaldean weddings. Like imagine if Shenandoah ran out of wine or liquor at the bar, right? There would be a war going on. People would start taking their envelopes back from the box. It'd be crazy, okay? But what I love about this gospel is how Mary is really the focus. Mary is the center. Mary is the attention of this gospel. She's a mother, She's a mom, and she sees that this party, this wedding, has run out of wine, so what does she do? She goes to her son. She goes to her son because she knows that Jesus isn't just a human being. She knows that Jesus is Christ, that he's God, and she knows that he can do it, even though Jesus has not revealed himself to the people yet. She knows he can do it, and so she goes to her son. When I read this gospel, it's always very real to me as a priest. Because personally, as a priest, in my relationship with my own mother, this gospel is real, okay? Because my mom is always calling and texting me, Brony, call this person. Brony, visit this person. This person needs that. This person needs this, right? Sometimes it's at the most inconvenient times of my day, inconvenient times of my life, but it's so real. Like when I see this gospel and Mary, the mother of Jesus, going to Jesus, it reminds me of my own mom, how my mom comes to me. What's crazy is when I actually listen to my mom, okay, and when I actually do what she's telling me to do, it's always a powerful experience for me as a priest. It's always something crazy that happens because I went and visited this person, or I called this person, or I prayed for this person. It's always powerful. But what I find so interesting is the way Jesus responds to his mother. Let's go back to the gospel. She goes to him and she says, they have no wine. What does Jesus say? Woman, what do you have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He calls his mother woman. Mom, if I called you a woman, what would you do to me? Okay? I don't know, I'd probably be on the funeral home website tomorrow if that happened. (laughs) I mean, think about it in our own lives, right? When your mom asks you to do something, go clean your room, go fold your clothes. What if you said, woman, what do you have to do with me? We would not be alive, okay? But why does Jesus call her woman? So when we read that and when we see that, it can seem like something very disrespectful is happening here. It can seem like Jesus is disrespecting his mother by calling her woman. But that is not the case at all. 
Jesus is not disrespecting his mother. He would never disrespect his mother because he loved her with everything. And he knew how great his mother is. He knew how powerful she is. So why does he call her woman? This goes all the way back to the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. It goes all the way back to when God, the Father, created the entire world, the entire universe. You see, when God created man, he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, he told them one thing. Do not eat from this tree. Don't eat from this tree. What happens? The story tells us that a serpent comes and tempts Eve. Tempts Eve to eat from the tree because if she eats from the tree, she's going to have all knowledge of good and evil and she's going to have all power. And so she's tempted. So she eats from this fruit, she gives some to Adam, and they both fall, and they commit this original sin, the first sin. So God comes. God comes into the midst of that, and Adam and Eve are ashamed. They know that they've gone against God, they know that they've sinned, and so they hide out of fear from God. And they start to see their own nakedness. They start to see even their own brokenness. And so God comes, and he finds out what happens, he learns what happens, and he knew what happens, because God is all-knowing and all-powerful. But they finally confess to it, Adam and Eve, and what does God do? God curses the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is the first gospel. Before any of the gospels were in, this is the first gospel. Genesis 3, 15. God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. I will put fight, strife, division between you and the woman. Between her offspring and yours. He will strike your head. You will strike his heel. So God is showing us that because of this fall... He's going to put a battle, a fight, a war between evil and the woman. Who is the woman? Mary. Mary is the woman. Because when Mary comes into the world, when Jesus comes into the world, Jesus is the new Adam, Mary is the new Eve. And Jesus and Mary come to undo the sin of Adam and Eve. They come to undo their wickedness. They come to undo their disobedience. And through the obedience and the love and and the greatness of Jesus and Mary, what happens? All of this. Like we have all of this. We have confession. We have mass. We have the sacraments. We have the Eucharist. We have the Word of God because of Jesus and Mary. That's how powerful they are. Now, there's a second time that Jesus calls his mother woman, and it's at the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, who is underneath him? Mary and St. John. And they're at the cross, and Jesus looks at St. John, and he says, Behold your mother. And then he looks at his mother, and he says, Woman, behold your son. He calls her woman again because he's referring to what God did in Genesis. And he's showing all of us the role of Mary. He's showing all of us the importance of Mary. That Mary is given to us 
to defeat sin. Mary is given to us to conquer sin. Many of us have a million statues, right, in our homes, and we're blessed to have one of the most beautiful statues of our blessed mother here at Mother of God. Okay? Now, I'm sure many of us have seen this specific statue. This statue shows Mary on top of the world, and she's taking her feet, and with her feet, she's stomping on the head of the devil, the head of the serpent. This statue is referring to what God says in Genesis. This statue refers to what Jesus says in the Gospel today. When Jesus says, woman, what have you to do? When Jesus says at the cross, woman, behold your son, he's referring to this woman right here. He's referring to her, and this is what he's referring to. Mary stopping, crushing the head of the devil. Because God says in Genesis, He will strike your head. He will crush your head. Who is He? Jesus. Jesus is the He who is inside of Mary who crushes the head of the serpent. My brothers and sisters, we don't understand how much evil is working against us. How many things are coming towards us in our lives to ruin us, to mess us up, to break us? That is what the devil does. One of my favorite prayers is Hail Mary, full of grace, punch the devil in the face. Okay? Because that is literally what Mary does. That is what our blessed mother does. That she comes into our lives to ruin the devil, to stop the devil. He's constantly working, it's not just him, it's also the world. The world is also working so hard to make us slaves. To make us slaves of sin. To make us slaves of brokenness. To make us slaves of evil. That's what the world is doing. The world wants us to be slaves. And then the world wants us to be slaves of sin and slaves of the devil. That's what the world is working so hard to do. And the devil and the world start at such a young age to do that. Okay? Think about our own lives. Think about the sins that we struggle with right now. The sins that we struggle with right now didn't just start when we were 30, 40, or 50 years old. The sins that we struggle with have been sins that we've been struggling with since we were a child. Because that's how the world works. That's how the devil works. That he tries to get us at such a young age. Because the devil and the world know our innocence, okay? So the kids who are here listen now. Because you are a child, because you are little, because you are small, you have an innocence to you. You are innocent. And that is the very thing the world and the devil want to steal. They want to steal your innocence. Because what does Jesus say? He says, if you want to have If you want to enter heaven, you have to be a child. So the devil and the world hates children. Why do you think abortion is legal? Why do you think homosexual marriages are legal? Because children can't come from homosexuality. Because abortion kills children. 
So why do you think our world is pushing these sins? Because our world, in reality, hates children. What's the greatest industry in the world? The sex trafficking industry of women and children. The greatest. That this is the craziest thing in our world, and the thing that is talked about the least, it's the most hidden thing, okay? Because the world hates anything that has to do with true womanhood, with motherhood, because the world hates Mary. Mary is the greatest mother. Mary is our queen. And that is what the world is trying to destroy. Motherhood, womanhood, our blessed mother, and children. We cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are a child. So the devil works so hard. I remember for me, I felt so innocent as a kid until I turned 11, 12 years old, and I started discovering things in the world, and my curiosity started becoming more curious. And through that curiosity, what happens? Sin. Sin happens at a young age. The devil makes us curious. The world makes us curious so that we can be trapped into sin. But, brothers we don't need to fear. Right? When we hear stuff like this, it can be very scary. And it can be very discouraging. But we don't have to fear. Because we have a mother who's constantly standing on the foot, on the head of the devil. And that's why we don't have to do There were two things in my life where I finally started to experience freedom. Because that's what God wants for us. God does not want us to be depressed. God does not want us to be sad. God does not want us to be addicted to pornography and gambling and alcohol and marijuana and materialism and money and fame and power and success. God doesn't want that for us. God desires our freedom, our joy, our peace. God desires us to be bold, to be free. There were two things in my life where I started to first experience that freedom. It was when I first entered seminary. When I entered seminary, they taught us one of the greatest lessons. This is the greatest lesson. And we oftentimes forget it. We just allow the rosary to just hang on our rearview mirror or to hang on the most random places in our houses, okay? And we just allow this rosary to hang and we never pick it up and we never pray with it. But when I entered seminary, they asked to pray the rosary every single day. And that was the first time in my life that I started to experience freedom and true joy and true peace was when I started holding this and praying this. Even for those of us who pray this every single day, some of us are headless in this church and you're probably praying this right now, you're my mom, okay? And it's so easy for those of us who pray this every single day to get used to this. We get used to praying this every day and we just start rambling off the prayers and we forget how powerful this is. That when I started praying this, I started to experience a presence in my life that I had never experienced before. I went to adoration. I went to Mass every Sunday. I went to Mass many times throughout the week. I read Scripture. I was living, trying to live a whole life in the Bible. I 
was born to confession, but I was still falling into the same sins over and over and over again. Till Mary revealed to me her greatest weapon. This is her greatest weapon. This is the weapon she wants us to turn to. When I started praying this, my whole life changed. There was a second thing that changed. Many of you probably know this, but there is something called the consecration to our Blessed Mother. Consecration to Mary. It's a prayer that you pray to our Blessed Mother, where you offer your entire life to her, where you're completely devoted to her, and where you completely become hers. You belong completely to her, and she belongs to you. And before you pray this prayer, you pick us a feast day of our Blessed Mother to do this. My feast day is actually this coming Friday, February 2nd, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And this is the 11th year that I consecrated myself to Mary. And that consecration every single year changes me. It changes me. When you pray that consecration, you prepare yourself for 33 days. 33 days you're praying every single day certain prayers to prepare yourself for that. When I consecrated myself to Mary in 2014, it changed my life. It changed my entire relationship with God. Because that's what Mary does. So we need to turn to our Blessed Mother. We need to rely on our Blessed Mother because she crushes the head of Satan. She crushes the head of the devil. If you're struggling in your marriage, if your family is falling apart, if you are addicted to sin, turn to Mary. Rely on Mary. She will get you through it. She will bring you out of it. That is the gift of our Blessed Mother. She's the greatest woman we have. She's the greatest mother we have.